2: plushcare.com slash weight loss
0: hello and welcome to the Roker Rapport podcast i'm your host connor bromley and joining me today for this therapy session is what i'm gonna call it is bomber how are you doing today bomber i'm all right connor apart from the football side of things everything else is all,
2: all
1: right but yeah not too bad
0: We've also got Chris Wynn. How are you doing today, Chris?
1: Yeah, I'm not too bad. I try to forget about the football, but you dragged me back in. Yeah, I pull you out and then they bring you back in. It's the way mm-hmm.
0: it goes, Chris. Yeah. We've got to talk about it. I think it's best in these situations to just let it all out, talk it through, and then by the end of this, you'll be looking forward to a meaningless game against Fleetwood. I put on my social media, you made a video about it, to say that I thought that that result was one of the worst result at the stadium I liked for sure but one of the worst results in Sunderland's history I got plenty of stick I got plenty of agreement as well on social media so Chris is it is it one of the worst and is it the worst home defeat at the stadium I liked?
1: It's like it's got to be up there but I, and I wasn't kind of devastated as if we were a Premier League club and got held to a league two or Division 4, as it used to be, or Division 3, whatever it was. I wasn't kind of devastated thinking, oh, it's been a huge Cup upset and we're, we're on the end of it and, you know, we're this, we're that. It was it was just flat. It was kind of, you know, we got knocked out of the FA Cup and afterwards it was, you know, meh. It was, um, it was one of those because, at the end of the day, it's a lower league club getting beat by another lower league club or a worse lower league club. And I don't think it's the worst result in the world because, uh, I mean, purely because of that fact, but if you look at the state of the club and the position of the club, it's a fairly good indicator of where we are. It might not have been the worst result for me in in our history or during our time at the Stadium of Light, but it's without doubt, and I don't think anybody can disagree, it's the worst position the club's ever been in in our history, whether you just look at purely... You know the league we're in, the league position, how long we've been there, the state of the boardroom, just everything. It's the worst state we've been in in, in our history, and yeah. So the the results just a sign of that, I think, and and just a a, a result that's that's been building up. I think all season,
0: but well, man, what what do you make of that? I mean, I saw you nodding a bit there in, yeah. in agreement with Chris.
2: Yeah, so I kind of agree I agree with Chris on, on that point. I do. I completely get what you're saying. I, I would agree with Chris. I don't necessarily think it's the it's the worst result in 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 our history or or up there. The one thing that I, I would say is that just to echo what, what Chris was the point Chris was making, all it does is is prov- that result provides us the the sober realization that w- the, of the position we're in and that's what makes it the most depressing and that that in that definition you could say it is the worst result in the club's history because we're at our lowest point having our lowest result of, or our worst result at our lowest point so in that respect yeah it is i mean there, there's been worse there's been bigger upsets and there's been worse defeats but yeah it's it's that sober realization that this is this is where we're at you know we're a we're a league 1 club losing to a league 2 club that hasn't won all season i say what tends to happen with the, with the bigger upsets? People are talk about when we're when we're in the Premier League and losing to League One sides. What tends to happen is you know Premier League sides in the early rounds of the FA Cup put out a second or a third string eleven. We didn't do that and, and we got beat. So you know it's it depends what your what your metrics are for for what makes a, a terrible result. But it's it's certainly up there in terms of of it being amongst the worst.
0: Yeah, I think that some people were arguing that the worst results were say losing five one against Newcastle. Mm-hmm. Um, because they're the ones that make you feel the worst. But to me, seeing Sunderland, who are now a average, above average League One team, I'll be fair, they're an above average League One team, losing to a League Two side that haven't won a game this season that's third bottom, 90th in the Football League. That, to me, is what made it the worst result, you know, in our history, because it, it show, and it's what you said, Chris, it essentially shows what we are right now, which is we are a bog standard lower league football club that lost against a substandard lower league football club and to me that just made it almost impossible to swallow now I found it interesting to see so many people coming out with well it's just the FA Cup it doesn't matter we need to focus on league games because there's just an acceptance that something now lose against Mansfield Town at home at the stage my Light. I just find it bizarre
1: kind of just a throwback back to you I mean were you absolutely devastated I wasn't devastated I was apathetic to it and that that's almost worse well yeah but what you've just said there you have said oh there was those comments on social media saying it was just the FA Cup and you're you're now saying well I was apathetic towards it as well so it sounds like you had a slight sense of that without maybe kind of thinking it
0: that's why I think it is you know is when I say the worst I think it's in my lifetime this is one of the worst and I think in our history it's difficult to argue that this wouldn't be in the top 10 of worst results in my opinion anyway I just think that I'm apathetic to it, which makes it worse because I'm sitting there watching Sunderland lose against Mansfield and accepting that that's normal. We didn't out, we didn't outclass them and Mansfield. Score one goal out of nowhere. We literally looked the same as Mansfield, who are the third worst team in the football league. It's normalizing how terrible Sunderland is as a football club. It it's the epitome of everything that's went wrong over the last five years. Culminated in a game at the Stadium of Light where we. We lost 1-0 to 90th in the Football League, a team that haven't won a game this season, a team that's just changed their manager, a team that Sunderland should not be competing with, and it looked like two teams. You wouldn't know which side was the League 2 side. That, to me, is why I was of the opinion that this was one of the worst results in our history. Of
1: course, it's a, it's a bad result. It's it's one of the worst at the stadium, like, like you said. But you sound like you're agreeing with me and Bomber there, where you're saying it's the lowest position the club have been in. It's our lowest ebb. Not necessarily, you know, that result is a, is a
2: yeah it, you I know, know an indicator you're saying,
1: of where we are and you're, you're agreeing with us that you're saying look look it's an indicator of where we are I'm apathetic towards it it's because of the position of the club you're not really saying that one-off game is the worst result in the club's history you're you're actually agreeing with me and Bomber by the sounds of it
0: no because I still think that like sorry Bomber I'll let you jump in a second but I still think that this was like it is the epitome of the disaster of the club the last few years which it still was the worst result. I mean, we've never lost against a team that low in the football league pyramid at the stadium I like. I think I've I've certainly tried to look up the stats and I can't see any teams that have been lower. You know that that to me is what made it worse. But anyway, bomb. I jump in. Yeah. So all you, I
2: was going to say is I, I can I, I do understand what you're saying. I think I think the definition that you're using is different to what Chris and I and probably a few on on Twitter might be using. You know, I would I would argue that all right, it's not at the stadium I like, but lose shipping eight par, against Southampton. Was probably a worse result, but what you're saying, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that you're saying the, effectively the club is in its worst ever position, and having been in this position for the last three seasons, this is our worst result of that period. So by that definition, it's our worst, it's our worst result that we've had. Yeah, oh, yeah. I would
0: say that that's where I am at with yeah with this. I think I think
2: yeah, I think I agree with you. That's so it's not it's not. I don't see it as an individual result saying no it's the worst result but I think the the circumstances if you take everything everything that's going on at the club the position we find ourselves in the league we find ourselves in the the style of play and the football and the performances that we're putting in then to come across to come up with that that result, then by that definition, I would I would agree with you. It's it, it's there, but it's not just that result in isolation. It's the it's all the circumstances put into that mounting part, and it's come up with this big <laughs> golden dump, which is a one nil defeat
1: to Mansfield. So so on that basis, Connor, I'll put it back to you. Was that the worst result in Sunderland's history?
0: I would say it is comfortably in the top sort of three or four <laughs> yeah. comfortably in there I, I don't think you can definitively say a result is the worst because i haven't went through the history books and looked i know people have brought up the fact we lost to Yeovil in 1949 and stuff but in my lifetime this is the worst result that i've seen prior to that I, I don't know because i can't reference particular results before i was born because obviously i wasn't there to see them but i don't think that this result could be not in the top five it's certainly the worst stadium of like defeat it's mm. it's it fits in them categories. Yeah. What was it? What what do you think is the difference then,
2: Connor? We we um, I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you or agreeing with you. So when we were in the Premier League and lost to Bradford, what about that defeat makes it less less worse,
0: if that's a phrase, than this one? Be- because that defeat was a, a quote unquote cup shock. That defeat yeah. was a a team jumping up levels and, you know, having the crowd behind and all that sort of stuff. And Bradford mm. went and they beat Sunderland that day and Sunderland did play terrible and it was a terrible result. This was watching Sunderland be comfortably matched by Mansfield at home and watching Sunderland, you know, not look like a superior team to Mansfield. Mm. Sunderland losing against Bradford, he also made changes that day as well. It wasn't necessarily the strongest team, but that was, I would say it didn't feel... It was a triumph for Bradford r- rather it, than... exactly yeah. yeah. And that's why I thought it was... Weird. And also, when you're in the 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 Premier League and you lose sort of FA Cup games against Bradford, like, it's a bummer and it happens, but I feel like it's difficult to say they're the worst results. When you're at your lowest ever as a football club and you're losing to third bottom in the Football League mm. and it not even looking like a surprise, I think that's why, to me... It, it felt like the worst result, certainly that I'd seen in my life. Maybe,
2: maybe Nigel Clough will turn them around and they'll get promoted into League One this season and we'll look back (laughs) and go,
1: actually, it's not that bad a result. (laughs) Maybe. And then next
0: (laughs) season, when we're playing them, they'll (laughs) they'll come up the same way. The the
1: other thing, the other thing I was going to say was, there's a difference between being the worst result because it's not the worst result, I don't think, maybe, On paper, you know, I remember that result under Quinney against Bury, you know, two divisions Mm -hmm. there, they were rock bottom, you know. So in terms of purely distance between the two sides and league positions, I think there have been worse results. Correct. But I remember being devastated by umpteen games in in Sunderland's past, (laughs) you know, since I started following Sunderland. And this doesn't feel like the end of the world (laughs) It's just... No,
0: it doesn't. But I think there's a difference between the, the worst result and the result that upsets you the most. Because if we're saying by the definition of your worst result being the one you're most upset by, then it would be like losing against Man City in the League Cup final. That obviously isn't mm. Sunderland's worst result. That's the game that hurts the most. Mm. Like that was the game where I was most devastated leaving because at half time it looked like we were going to win. Just to kind of sum up, and I think it echoes to what,
2: what you're alluding to, is that it's almost like this is the most embarrassing I, for me, the most embarrassing set of circumstances and the most embarrassing result. So I've got a couple of friends who aren't Sunderland fans. You know, they support Premier League teams, um, and they saw the result. And I had messages off both of them individually, basically saying, "What the fuck has happened to Sunderland? What, what on earth's going on?" And that's the first time they said something like that to me. So I think you know, for for people who've got no vested interest in the club to see that result and then ask me as a Sunderland fan what the fuck's going on, I think that speaks volumes for it.
0: Okay, well, I'm I'm glad we're, that was a good discussion. I feel like we've all we've all talked a bit canceling for you, yeah, a little bit. But I did say it was going to be a therapy session, you know. And it's also all opinions, you know. Yeah, you can, yeah, yeah. You can have different opinions, and mm-hmm. that's fine. I Think Twitter needs to to learn that at times. Everyone's entitled to their own opinion. But let's talk about the game itself. I don't want to go too heavy on it because obviously we had the ratings podcast. Mm. Sunderland hit the woodwork twice in the first ten minutes. Or Danny Graham hit it twice. One of them a good header. One of them a one that he should put in is pretty much stand on the line. He somehow hits the bar. But if one of them goes in, I think it's fair to say Sunderland do probably win. And we're not having this conversation right now. Is that fair? You know, do you think that if we do score in the first 10 minutes, uh, Sunderland wins the match, Chris
1: pattern of the season, generally in, in most games, I mean, pretty much all of our league one games have, Almost been on the basis of first goal wins, basically, first goal the winner. <laughs> when we score, we shut up shop, we slow the game down. And actually, other teams have tried tried to do that as well, although we haven't been, our defence has been uh, so good or their attacks being been so poor that we haven't necessarily been on the end uh, of, of conceding a goal too many times. And when we have, uh, we've managed to 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 come back, but yeah. So if we had uh, Mansfield, wouldn't have scored Mansfield. we kind of doing what what we did. I mean, they didn't look out of place. They didn't look. They looked like, you know, another League One side coming to the stadium alike. That that didn't look horrific. The we kind of tried to control the game as we normally do. We got a bit erratic. They they actually put us under more pressure on the ball than most league one sides have this season actually whether they'd kind of looked at what Portsmouth did to us and thought well we'll give that a go I don't know but yeah um, if we'd scored we, we would have won I don't think Mansfield would have getting that goal they were trying to stay in the game and hope for a chance uh, to win the game which is actually what, what Sunderland have been doing a this season
0: and in terms of the team selection um, we're going to talk about a lot of the negatives after this but was there any players bomber that you thought you know, came out of that looking, you know, smelling of roses and looking good? It's,
2: I mean, but if, if we're defining it as one of the worst results in a, in Sunderland's history, then I, I think it would be very um, hypocritical to say that, yeah, this person's done very well, this person's done very well. I did think considering um, it was it was on debut, McFadden did, did enough to at least give Parkinson something to think about for the next game. Other than that, no, not really for me. Danny Graham, I, I will say that I, I, I might be lambasted for this but I actually would sympathise a little bit with Graham for that second that second miss that he hit the bar with I know it's from a yard out and you know when people miss from that uh, from that sort of distance we say it's you know the worst misses of all time and they get played over christmas on sky sports f- for eternity but the I think he's anticipating and and certainly at me having watched it a few times thought that the defender was actually getting to there and I'm not convinced that the defender hasn't flicked it onto his head and he's kind of react like almost reacted to it as if it's been hit in his face I'm
1: not I'm not sure I think I think what what happened was and and I might have to look at at it again but my first instinct and looking at the replay was it just slightly clipped off the bar on the way down and it slightly changed the trajectory of the ball Mm. and I think Graham thought he knew where it was going to be and it slightly kind of came further back because it clipped off the bar and it actually hit off more the back of his head than than the front of his head to go forward. Yeah, so I think in real see it time.
2: Yeah, in real time, it looks like an absolute horrific miss. But I, it, I did. I've watched the highlights again this morning. I've kind of rewind that chance four or five times to look at you know as he actually missed a, a sitter, or can we forgive him for a couple of things? And it looks, it looks like the direction of the ball did change. And I thought it was off the head of the um, the defender. Mm. It may well have been just clipped be right. the side of the bar. But so yeah, I won't. Uh, you know. He did, he did all right, to be fair. You know, that, that chance they hit the post with early on was okay. It just smacks of a striker who's not sharp enough because he's not not played enough, not had enough minutes. Yeah. Um, but I it's don't think he we, disgraced himself at all.
0: It's a shame we don't have other camera angles, so we can mm. really assess the miss. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, <laughs> uh, if you've got something to add on there, is there any players that you thought, you know, came out with at least a modicum of respect?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, talk. Let's talk about the strikers first, quickly. Uh, Will Gregg and Danny Graham. Um, to be fair to them, there, were, there was a. I mean, Phil Parkinson's words after the game where he said there were we, there were a lot of crosses, and, and he thought we we'd done well in that area. But I thought it, uh, it was just aimless. Let's hope for the best. And half of them went too long. Half of them went too short. Um, half of them went in areas where they weren't. <laughs> There weren't any Sunderland players. So they didn't get a huge amount of service. And the the other issue was I mean, a lot's been said about, um, you know, Dan Neal playing the right passes in. And I'm not necessarily saying Dan Neal was the answer, but, you know, Will Gregg needs a certain type of service. And he had Max Power and Dobson standing behind him, who. Couldn't pass to another player in red and white. Never mind slide. Will Gregg in behind the back four. I mean, they, they, they were awful. I said in the preview before the game, I was hoping they were going to come in and find some form and, and get a rhythm going because they need it. I don't know what's wrong with them. I, I don't know what, in this system, I don't know what they are. Um, because they're not box to box, they're not holding midfielders, they're not attacking midfielders. They're just they're just nothing. I mean, I don't know what they're supposed to do. I don't know if they know what they're supposed to be doing. And I've seen I've seen both players have good games. I mean, both players are they haven't they haven't turned to kind of poor players overnight. I'm just wondering if they're they're being restricted in this system where they can't play their normal game or what they, do what they're good at. Because something's wrong with those two. I don't know whether it's just them and they're out of form and there's something not quite right. Or, like I said, whether the the system just uh, doesn't suit them. Bomber mentioned McFadden. That could be interesting because he had such a good game that um, he might possibly be an option to play in the left centre-back role. Possibly in home games, I think that might be useful because if we've got Hume on the left... McFadden could get on and maybe overlap Hume and actually be an attacking option down that left hand side. You know, with the way Sheffield United play, which is I think the way Parkinson wants to go with his centre halves. Same with Sanderson on the right. Um, I thought, although Sanderson was maybe at fault for the goal, probably at fault for the goal. Um, I think he's young, lack of concentration, he needs games. But it was interesting down the right hand side with him and Diamond. I thought he was always an option, especially on the outside of Diamond, and he he looks fit, he looks quick. Um and I think um you know in in home games if he gets a few games under his belt and we keep with his system he could be an option going uh, going down that right hand side from from the right centre back position
0: and just to go back a little bit on McFadden I actually thought McFadden was probably our best player yesterday of a best of a bad bunch but did anyone see his post match interview where. Eh? his first line was, well, it's just the FA Cup. And I thought mm. that was a bit of a, you know, you would think that the person who was interviewing would maybe go, yeah, maybe we'll, we'll restart that. What do you make of that, Bomar? Do you think that was just basically him making a, a little mistake and he meant, you know, it's not a league game? it's do not you know what, Connor, That's I, kind I, of how I read it.
2: I think he's probably been fed that line. He's been put up, put, put up to the cameras for his first kind of post-match interview and a 1-0 defeat for Mansfield. It wouldn't surprise me if... If they've gone into the changing room, the dressing room, after that game, and the first thing Phil Parkinson said to him is like, it's all right, lads, it's only the FA Cup, we're concentrating on the league, etc." and he's just regurgitated that, that's something I can I could see happening. Chris, shaking your head, do you not think so? No,
1: I'd, I'd be absolutely amazed if Phil Parkinson went in that dressing room and said, don't worry about it, lads, it doesn't matter. No? No, I'd be amazed.
2: <laughs> I don't think he's he genuinely thinks, has gone into that game going, well, oh, it's only the FA Cup, who cares? Maybe it's a little bit of saving face. If it was me, I wouldn't have put him up. To do his first post-match interview for the club, having a one 0 defeat in the FA Cup to a team near the bottom of the whole entire football league, but yeah, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't read too much into that myself. Well, Certainly not as a as a personal slight on him.
1: Well, you've been there, Connor. What would you've done?
0: What I've done. What if I was doing that interview? If you says- were doing that yeah it's just the FA Cup I would probably have spoken to someone after we did it and said maybe we should cut out the first question <laughs> that's probably <laughs> literally how I would have approached that because I mean it's possible I mean, I'm not I'm certainly not blaming the lads who like did the interviews or anything because you know it's a hard environment they've got a million and one things to do and you know they have to trust that players won't say stupid things sometimes And right at the start of the interview and it, it can be interpreted in different ways but to me I just when I saw it and I was like you know his first line as well you know it's just the FA Cup I'm like is that the attitude? Is that hmm. the attitude that goes on? Did we approach this game all week going, hmm, it's just the SA Cup? And even if he said it, and that's never been said to him, that's clearly the attitude that's been presented to him that, oh, this is just an FA Cup game, lads, you know, a chance to get match fitness, all that sort of stuff. And I'm like, well, if that is the attitude, like, we're here to win football matches. I know it's the FA Cup and people are like, we're not going to win it, but... Aren't we here to get paid to win football matches? Is mm. that not what yeah. the whole point of being a footballer is?
1: Yeah. Well, the, the other thing is, obviously, I mean, Conor, uh, I mean, you can probably <laughs> probably t- talk about this more than I can, but I'd expect, especially off the club website and from the club media team, I mean, that's that's it's, I mean, you're almost trying to put out your your message. You're trying to I mean you've got an opportunity to put out a message in the way you you want your message to go out. I mean that's the point of the club media, you know, that you're you're getting out there the impression that Phil Parkinson wants to build around the club and you know they're part of the the you know the communications to the fans and they've got um an element of right what is the message to go out and if that went through a bunch of people before it went out and people just went yeah it's fine then either there's not a good system to say let's let's really screen what you know we need to make sure our message is on point and the fans get the message that this is a bad result and we're going to be back on it next week or yes that's the message we want and let's just say it doesn't matter and move on so both scenarios are pretty bad though aren't they (laughs) yeah exactly i I just just don't know i mean whether i mean you like i said connor you you know better whether anybody actually does look at it and screen it and, and actually say that's not the message we want to go out or whether these people just do the interview and just press a button and it goes straight out on onto the website.
0: No, I mean I wouldn't obviously. You know, I know a lot of the ones who were there. I certainly wouldn't want to dig them out. They're all good, but I mean the clubs made changes. You know, to their media department. You know, Kate historically Kate would have been there watching, or Louise Wanless would have been there watching and knowing what was said and whether or not it was you know good or not. And you know they've effectively they've made cuts to that department. They don't have PR people there anymore. So. Ultimately, when you when you do that, you're, you're likely to have, you know, potential PR gaffes. Um, I feel sorry for McFadzian, though, because that's tarnished the one player who probably came out looking good and now fans have probably got a negative view of him. I've certainly yeah. seen his, his video that went out on Twitter because the club's now putting the full interviews on Twitter. It's got over 50-odd comments. I suggest that most of them are probably negative because... Mm.
2: Especially with the negative comments he got when um, when he first joined the club, like people were looking yeah. into his history and saying, and basically slating him before as a person before he'd even put a, a red and white shirt on. Um, so yeah, it's, it is a shame.
0: Yeah, right. We'll talk now though. Power and Dobson I and mean, Chris, you you've touched on Power and Dobson, but you can't tell me, Bomber, that looking at that midfield two, Power and Dobson, that either of them are good enough to be Sunderland central midfield players right now. Based
2: on based on the last six weeks, this or season, so. So, basically yeah. this season, Dobson well, got
0: sent off on g- game one as well. Remember,
2: yeah, yeah. So, so I think actually that in in season and an early first taking that that sending off aside, um, we had Dobson playing a, a, quite clearly a more deeper role, and Max Power playing more further forward, and that actually worked quite well, and that has very quickly just disappeared into the into the ether, um. But since since then, I think since probably the second game of the season, neither of them have done anything of note. Um, I don't know whether the captaincy is weighing heavy on Max Power, perhaps. Uh, who knows? But just the, the performances just aren't there. And we've seen the resurgence of, of Grant Ledbetter go from essentially, you know, the fans going, why on earth is Grant Ledbetter here? like he should his legs are gone he should retire to him you know for me being the first name on the team sheet when we're talking about the midfield and that shouldn't be shouldn't be the case Dobson was brought in because he was a bright young prospect and he could do this that and the other and we we saw little bits of it at the start of la- when he first arrived, um, but he's certainly not kicked on. In fact, I'd argue he's regressed. Max Power, we we see flashes from him. Again, last season and at the, the start of this season, we saw flashes from him, but that's very quickly just disappeared and, and been forgotten about. Um, and I, I can only go back to what Chris was saying earlier. I don't know what they do, and I'm not 100 percent convinced that they know what they do now because you've got three midfielders in there. If you when you when you've got Ledbetter in there as well, let's say you have a a midfield three of of Ledbitter, Power, and uh, and Dobson, you've got three players who certainly on the face of it like to play in the exact same way. And when you've got three in midfield, you need essentially three very clear defined. Jobs That are all different for one another. So you can all offer something in that midfield battle. And they're all trying to do the same thing. They're all trying to pick the balls up off the, off the centre house. They're all trying to spray, you know, diagonal balls or, or through balls or long balls that are, that are 20, 30 yards in, in length. Um, and you just can't have that. And it just doesn't work. Sometimes you can get away of it if you put in a good individual performance in terms of your harrying, your tackling, your ball winning, your ball retention, but none of them are doing that either. Or neither of them, sorry, I should say, are doing that either. Um, the the problem is is that it, it, Parkinson's kind of made a, a rod for his own back in, in making power captain because um, he's shown in, in history that once he's met, named someone captain, the chances are that he will, he will stick with them. Um, and I don't know if power has got comfortable because he knows that. And that's maybe why we're seeing a a change in his performance and a a drop in performance, I'm not sure. But I can't put my finger on it. But to answer your question, neither of them are doing
0: anything to suggest that they're,
2: they're league, even league one players at the minute and i think
0: yeah. you know sorry i'll go to you in a second chris but i just wanted to make an added point on power you know he's out of contract at the end of the season mm. is that playing a factor for him you know he's he's a he's in his what mid 26 is he 26 27 he's possibly looking at his last big sort of contract and it must be weighing on his head that his performances haven't been very good and at the moment you would be surprised if Sunderland retained him but chris you know fire off what Bomber said there
1: well, I mean, I mean, just on the point that he was captain. I mean, he, he kind of did to begin with. I mean, make a road for his own back, and I think um, Max Power would have been hooked quicker than he was, um, because last couple of league games he's he's been on the bench, uh, and that was purely because of his bad form. But I mean, I, I said it earlier on, and uh, I mean, the more I think about it, the more I'm I'm convinced that these two players are being asked to do a role that they're not comfortable with, because I I don't think. I just don't think they're as bad as they're playing. I think mm. we, we've seen we've seen both of them have better games. We've seen both of them have better runs of form. I remember Dobson playing against us before he joined us and, and he looked a good player. And, uh, I, you know, I was quite, I thought, yeah, good young player when we signed him. I thought that might, that might be a decent deal. But I just don't think Parkinson's playing them in their positions in, in a system where it plays to their strengths. And, I mean, I, I'd be quite happy. Anybody could argue, you know, that... Um, they should be good enough to you know, adapt to to their new positions and, and what they've been asked to do. And, and I wouldn't disagree with that at all. But I, I just don't think we're playing to their strengths.
0: We've got lots of young players at Sunderland and we know the Under-23s have been shocking everyone with their performances this season. we have got four wins hmm. after, you know, I mean, I said it on last week's podcast, but in the 18 months I was there, the Sunderland Under-23s did not win a league game. <laughs> and so for, for me to see now that they are winning games is, is interesting, but we've got a lot of good young players um, obviously Dan Neal's a big one we normally talk about, Jack Diamond's a big one we talk about, Embleton is more of a squad player but he generally fits in that category but we, we have got a few good young players at the minute coming through is is a good chance against Fleetwood to sort of bed them in but should Phil Parkinson maybe be thinking a bit bigger than that you know we're seeing a Sunderland team that's void of creativity and I I don't think Phil Parkinson could really argue against that I think if he was here right now I don't think he would disagree that we are void of creativity you know we've got a out of form Chris Maguire who just looks like a shell of the player that started the season we've got you know a real just lack of quality in the final third is it time do you think Baum had to give these young players a bigger chance because we've seen them impressing every time they've played this season? You know we've never really mm. been let down. I think Jack Diamond was probably another player who didn't really let us down. His final ball was poor, but other than that, you know he was beating his men. He was good defensively. Do you think it's time that Parkinson really considers these young players?
2: I think I think he has to. He's got he's got an opportunity now in in the next game to do so. Um, I said in the in the preview uh, pod that. It was a chance, it was a free hit for him really, uh to, to go out and put four or five of these good young players who are getting good results and probably deserve a chance, and we've been screaming for Pretty much all season, it was a good opportunity to give get, throw them in there. And yeah, if we ended up losing one 0 in those circumstances, I'd be a lot more accepting of it. And I'd be like, right, okay, well, it was a free hit. Those young players have got a bit of experience, but at the moment, you can see that they've not um, that they're, they're not ready to challenge for first team places. He didn't do that. He's got one more opportunity to do that, and for me, he has to take it. He has to take it because. You know, was it Graham Souness who famously uh, said that you, you don't win anything with with kids uh, with regards it's Alan to Alex Ferguson, or was it Alan Hansen? Sorry, oh, yeah. but I'm not suggesting that we're going to be United's You know, it's class of '92, but hungry, good, talented young players should be thrown in there. They should be thrown in there and given the opportunity to shine because they are less that they're less likely to be phased by the pressures. You know, there's no crowd in there in in the in the stadiums at the minute as well. Not that. Sunderland fans would necessarily get on the backs of the young kids I think one thing that we are very good at as a fan base is is backing our youngsters and and encouraging them on but for me he's got no other option now they need to be they need to be given the opportunity to impress and need to be given the chance to give him something to think about when selecting for for league games because the the selections that he's making at the minute just aren't cutting the grade quite clearly
1: Chris uh no I'm not with Bonner on this one and I kind of said this I think two or three weeks ago that and I always kind of smile after England get knocked out of tournaments normally um it's usually you know especially I remember Sven-Goran Eriksson's reign and, and stuff like that where everyone was we got knocked out in quarterfinals and everyone after was like oh it's because we've got these players in who've been there for four years oh my god you know get the why aren't these twenty twenty one year olds in get them all in and all this sort of stuff and you, you, you have to kind of laugh at, at, at that sometimes because you know I think uh you know, you look through all those young players and yeah, they're all, you know, decent prospects and Dan Nail looks like a decent prospect and Jack Diamond looks like a decent prospect. But I mean, just to just to kind of throw them them all into the team. I mean, it's um, I mean, we're we're, we're talking about the, the, the end of the world at the club and we've got some good players in the squad. It's just purely the, the tactics that were going out every week are restricting the players we've got. So it's. I don't think it's It's not the personnel. It's not kind of, you know, we've got players who've got good records in League One, who scored lots of goals and fired teams to promotion and won titles in League One. All these players are decent players. They haven't turned into bad players overnight. They've been asked to play a certain way. And that way means that we, we don't go out and steamroller teams. We don't finish teams off. We stay in the game. We defend. We make sure we don't concede. And at some point we'll get a chance and we need to put that chance away. And that's the tactics. And it's restricting the the, the, the players like, you know, we've talked about Will Craig. We've talked about Danny Graham. We've talked about the, the midfield. They're not asked to express themselves. They're not asked to, say, get in the final third and, you know, commit players. You, you see, sometimes we'll play a ball into the box. And I'd say 90% of the time we have one player in the box. I'd be amazed if the you know there was a, ever ever an occasion where we went on the attack and got it wide and had three, four, five players charging into the box. It never happens. We, you never see us on the counter attack. You know, suddenly get the ball. You know, in our own half, and you never see three or four players charging into the opposition half because they're told not to do that. They're told to keep the ball. The opposition. Get back into their shape, and we've got to try and get forward with it with kind of slow methodical football. And, and yeah, so I, I mean, I, I just think yes, give them game time. I think that Dan Neal give give him minutes off the bench. But we, again, with the games we're involved in and the tactics we play, the last twenty minutes is usually tight. And are you going to risk them putting Dan Neal on, who is more than a kind of an attacking player? And you know, you might say, go on, go and express yourself. He loses the ball, we concede a goal. We drop three points. We drop a point or whatever, and Phil Parkinson might never trust them again. It's we need to if if we start finishing teams off, then these players can get more minutes, and we can really progress them on. And yeah, I mean in the cup as well, get them get them out there, but then don't whinge if we get beat. <laughs> so I, I don't think it's the the personnel. I think I think it's the tactics. Chris, I just wanted just wanted to to kind of clarify that because
2: I don't disagree with what you were saying. So I I think I was looking a lot more short term. I'm looking kind of next game, Fleetwood game, throw them in because there's nothing to lose. And I'm not advocating throwing four or five youngsters into the starting starting 11 for the game against MK Dons, for example.
1: Right. Well, just quickly on that, the Fleetwood one, I think the rules make it that you can't actually throw... Mm. As many in as he, as you might like them to, because we've got to play so many that played in the last league game, yeah. so many that have played, you know, half of their league appearances and all this sort of stuff. Yeah, so there's, yeah. there's quite a lot of rules around the AFL trophy that he's got to. Continue.
2: I just wanted to clarify that I wasn't kind of saying right for the for the next league game we need to throw in five youngsters because no one they're not doing it. It was just. I just want to see him get more of a chance to to impress and to break through into a starting eleven.
1: But it's amazing after after league games, you know, even Ipswich when we got beat, the, you see so many mm. messages on social media saying, "Yeah, why well, you said Dan Neal in the starting eleven? Get Jack Diamond, you know, out, you know, wide, and all this sort of stuff." They're good players, but that's not going to in this system. All you're going to be doing is swapping Dan Neal for someone who's restricted in this system, and he's going to be as restricted and can't express himself. You put Jack Diamond out wide and. He's he's an attacking player. Started off a striker up top. You stick him out wide as a right wing back, and you're expecting him to tackle, uh, you know, in the next to the corner flag as well. And that's not his game. So I mean, all you're doing is doing like for like because mm-hmm. these players have got a certain job. So yes, they might they might you know on the, on the off chance do it slightly better, but I don't think that would make huge changes because the system we play means we play like this. So
0: basically, what you're saying is is for while Phil Parkinson is manager it doesn't matter who's playing, we're always going to be devoid of creativity because that's essentially how we play.
1: Yeah, he's worked worked on it. And
0: I heard what you said there, and I don't necessarily disagree with what you're saying, but what's the point in playing these players in another 23 games and them playing really well? And for you just to be like, well, for the manager, not you personally, for the manager to just be like, yeah, they did okay, but I'm not going to throw them in. I'd rather stick with what I've trusted to provide mundane, in stifling football it just seems bizarre to me and I think that's why fans get frustrated when you play a game and you, you draw nil nil or you even if you win one nil and it's it's hard to watch him. We've got all these good young players that were like, well, they would make a positive difference.
1: The club knew what we were getting. You you look at his track record, mm-hmm. um, getting promotion by playing experienced players at the clubs he's been at. He's never brought through, you know, you know, a conveyor belt of youth players. He's never relied on youth. He's never brought fantastic players through. He's never chucked a lot of young players into a squad and getting them promoted. He's always in the past. He's always relied on experience. So the club knew this. And we, like you say, we've we've got this fantastic academy and the club basically said, look, ignore that because we're getting you in on your track record. So do what you do and we don't care if you use the academy. And w- what's the point in having this fantastic academy? You know, category one academy, you know, brilliant, one of the best in the country, and then bring them the manager who's got a track record of a- ignoring young players.
2: Yeah, I can't believe I'm um, going to do this, but to quote something Niall said, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I know... Um, I think he, he was actually onto something. When he's talking about Parkinson and young players, obviously he had that experience with Bolton where he could only use young players and he was getting absolutely pummeled every week. You could argue that that might have, have scarred him a little bit in, in terms of his fear to, to, to use younger players. Um, I mean, it would be pretty weak of him if that was the case. But it makes
0: him a very bad manager. It, if yeah, he goes, it, it, it hmm, does. I have to play a bunch of underqualified <laughs> 18-year-olds because we have no money. Therefore, from now on, I will never, ever play... Yeah, uh, but it probably has. It probably has
2: put a bit of fear into him to to do that. Particularly as uh, again, as Niall has, has said, and I know a few of us have, have said that this is the biggest job that he's he's ever going to get. He doesn't want to
1: blow it. So I said that a couple of times in the past. Yeah. This is this is this is Phil Parkinson's big one. This is his big chance. Well, it's bollocks, though, isn't it?
0: Like we're all sat here trying. I mean, I know you aren't necessarily. You're not defending Phil Parkinson, but it's bollocks that that's the way we think. It's a manager who thinks, hmm, I am scared to play younger players because. You know, I'm worried about my job going forward. Well, no, do your job. If these players are better and they fit mm. in, a, and they can fit in a system that'll actually create chances, then then change it up. But another point I yeah. wanted to make was he's loaned in Dion Sanderson from Wolves under 23s and playing him. We literally just beat Wolves under 23s on Friday, so that's a. A sort of point that I was when I was watching that result come through, I was like, Well, that's interesting. Um, well, it's because they didn't have Sanderson, though. it must have been, yeah, yeah, defensive errors. Um, I mean, we've touched on this, you know, how does Phil Parkinson bounce back from this? So I'm not going to go into that in depth, Um, but we will talk, you know, Fleetwood on kind of hinted at what we'd like to see in the team. Obviously, we know that I think they're restricted probably to playing roughly five players that have played regularly so far for Southern. So which of them, younger players, you know, would be definite? In that starting eleven, Chris, which ones do you want to see given a chance to impress?
1: Well, I think I think Dan Neal was. I mean, he was on the bench and he played in the last EFL game. I think, um, if not, he played in the one before that. So he has he has been playing. I think he he needs to be honest. I mean, I've said it a couple of times. Again, repeat myself. But Dan Neal, I think, needs one more loan move before he's ready. Um, I think he looks very comfortable on the ball, but he, look, he looked knackered. I think it was Carlisle. Um, he looked knackered with about 20 minutes left and got pulled off. And I, th- I think whereas Jack Diamond, I think they're both on a par in terms of, I think, how good they are. But I just think Jack Diamond after last season at Harrogate is that one step ahead because he had that season of first team football against you know proper <laughs> proper fellas in, in in the conference um when when Harrogate got promoted and he's been part of that that Saturday Tuesday routine which is probably difficult when you step up to the first team and play that intensity every 3 or 4 days so i'd, I'd like to see Dan Neal in there. um i like I said i'd like to see him get get more Minutes, but I think I think he needs a long move. Um, I think Jack Diamond's going to be in there again. I'd like, but on the flip side, I'd like to see those two in. Um, I don't think Kim York is going to be fit. Maybe one of the defenders, because I, I, I think we at times look short, and we've had suspensions. We've already had injuries at the back. So whether it's younger, whether it's um Taylor, um, maybe someone one of those two just as to get those two kind of accustomed to first team football. But on the flip side, it's a chance to get to try and get some of these more established players some form as well. And we've been we've been saying it all season, but we're waiting for it. I'm just hoping with one of these games, Power and Dobson, Will Gregg, Daddy Graham they're just going to find some form at some time at at some point do you
0: not think as well it's like throwing in a full team of young players is all all you know all well and good but you actually need them to play with the senior players so you know whether or not they fit in and i think that that makes sense but we've got an international week coming up but something look like they're going to play through it which i can't remember if we've actually done this in league one it feels like we've always played um We've always not played on international weeks, but only Conor McLaughlin and Tom Flanagan are going to be missing. Bomber, do you think that's that's going to be an issue? Certainly with the way the defence looks at the minute where Willis isn't necessarily 100% fit and McLaughlin's essentially been covering and Lugo 9, you know, I think there's question marks over his fitness as well. Looks like we're looking short. At the back yeah. Of, yeah. Yeah.
2: So I think if it was if we'd had more cover in those in those centre back positions, then it wouldn't bother me. You know, it was actually more of an annoyance that when we used to cancel games because all it did was just create a backlog for us, which we never seemed to um, to to be able to pull out of. Um, so we, you know, it's been this our story of League One that we've cancelled games due to international breaks and then fallen behind and then thought, oh, it's all right, we've got two games in hand or three games in hand because of the international breaks and we never make the most of it. So it's it was always an annoyance for me. So I'm quite on one hand I'm quite glad that we're actually playing it. On the other hand, um the circumstances dictate that actually we probably could do with it not being played. Um say if Willis isn't necessarily quite fit, I I don't really ever want to see Luca 9. In, a, in the back three again um i love the bloke i think he's he's great for the club but he's most certainly not a center back so yeah we are light in cover and if we're gonna lose another two in in mcLaughlin and, and flanagan you know it does leave us exceptionally short um and the game is it the mk dons game yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. um uh, which is a, a potential banana skin for us so yeah I, I think on one hand i'm i'm happy we're playing it but on the other hand it, it the international break couldn't have come at a worse time if we have to play.
1: Yeah, I mean we've we've missed one already so we've already got we're already kind of looking at the table saying it's we are where we are but we've got a game in hand which is always annoying <laughs> because especially with the question mark over parkinson because a lot of people are saying well you know if we win our game in hand uh, we're, we're up with the top 2 um but yeah if we don't then we're clinging onto a playoff place so I mean that that one game is huge if you make that 2 if you make that 3 I mean, where are we in the league? Are we kind of second or third, or are we seventh or sixth or seventh? So well, that's the thing. If,
2: fans tend to tend to count those games in hand as guaranteed three points. They do, yeah. don't they? Like whenever, <laughs> well, yeah, whenever, like you could be <laughs> ten points behind with three games in hand, and in fans' heads, you're a point behind.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah I think I think Jack Ross did as well. Um yeah, he did because I think he took. I think he told the players we're promoted. We've got two games in hand. it was three at one point,
0: wasn't it? We had like three games in hand, and we just pretty much kept drawing one one. Oh yeah. yeah, There's
1: another one. One Jack. Another one. One. Another one. One. Yeah, uh, Jack Ross kept kept collecting them like get out of jail free cards, yeah, and it never one turned one. out like that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's um, uh, you know, with with one already piling up and having to to reschedule. The other consideration, and uh, part of us doesn't want to think about it, but um, is to start thinking about points per game. Oh, um, with, yeah. Oh. I, I, Don't do it, do us, Chris. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it's. It's always a potential scenario. So, I mean, I think, I think I would like, I would hope that somebody at the club was savvy enough to kind of say, you know, this is something we need to kind of keep an eye on. Because if if the worst happens, it's the worst case scenario. But uh, but I just hope somebody's got an eye on that. And um, I think because last season, it kind of tripped us up a little bit. I think if
0: points per game was brought in now, we'd probably get promoted, I would guess, maybe. Mm. Oh, that, that oh no! Because if we
1: win, would be... no? If we win, we'd go
0: second, wouldn't we? So we'll probably know yeah. our best of my Do you know, I don't want to talk about it. I'm sick of it yeah. anyway. Um, okay. Well, unless anyone has any other hot takes to throw in, um we'll probably bring back Aidan McGeary. I, I, I was trying my best not to bring Aidan McGeary up, <laughs> and now you've done it. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna jump into a rant, but I do feel that when you're devoid of all creativity and your most creative player, and Chris McGuire, is like playing as bad as he is right now having Ada McGee as an option wouldn't be the end of the world but hey that is just my take on the matter so thanks for listening to our Roker Report podcast today please subscribe like it comment on it tweet us tell everyone that Chris is wrong or Obama's wrong or agree with me and it's all good <laughs>